What's up, y'all? My name is Jake. And my name is Carl. And you're listening to Do You Even Lift Bro? Men Exercising Social Justice. Thank you so much for tuning in. We deeply appreciate it. Today, we're going to talk about the elections. Right? CSU Night? CSU Night? Which one do you want to do? I know more about CSU Night. Let's than, do that then. I have so many thoughts around that. Let's do, let's do CSU Night. Yeah. Did you go? I did not. I actually had a group project. So I was bummed about it because I was going to be going to join if if wanted and if well, I was invited. So I uh, invited for the students against white supremacy. Okay. Um, I wish I was a part of that. So I, right. I was kind of bummed not doing it, but I got to see like the videos and stuff. And yeah. it, it seemed to be overall not not as bad as I thought. CSU <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like as a whole. I, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it was, I think it was good. Um, I did think about how, like, I feel like it was just that one, like insecure white dude, probably from Turning Point USA. It's like, why can't we all just be friends? <laughs> it's like, cause you f***ing oppress people. And so do, so do I, so do a lot of people. And so it's, it's funny because like, not funny. We are asking to be your friend, actually. Like, we're asking you to treat us like a friend. Right. Um, that's kind of a basic tenet of social justice work is to treat each other like we're friends. Right. And one of the ways to do that is to f***ing listen to your friends when they're asking for stuff and asking for needs. And just to yell that in the middle of what Saws did is just, you should tr- maybe try listening first. Like, it's pretty it's pretty easy. It's pretty straightforward. Right. Uh, I just, I'm, I'm at a loss for someone who does that. Right. And I think, like, I think it's more of like my thoughts are like you dismiss the impacts that you have or the the impact that you have caused Mm -hmm. by saying, why can't we just all be friends? Right. When like, like you said, like we've in a lot of people in these different social justice circles have been trying to do that. Yes. And so then it's like, and you keep burning us. Yeah. And you keep going and none of your really matters. Yeah. You need your overreacting, like all sorts of dismissive. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Or I I have a black friend like, who thinks it's okay or whatever. It's just it's like, yeah, that's and, cool. And so it's, and it's, and so it's kind of nice to hear like, Oh, let's unite as a community. Yes. But what are the potential impacts? And also like understanding that like, this is a institution that has been built on sacred land. How can we kind of neg- get to that point? And I think SAWS students against re, uh, white, white, supremacy, white, yeah. Yeah, white supremacy. Thank you. Um, have really done a decent job at it and really good job at it. Um, Philosophically, I have an issue with the concept in itself because I do think there was intent to say like we need to help white students on this campus feel better about themselves. I think right. that was part of the core philosophy of CSU Night in the first place, which isn't the wishes of marginalized folks from the get go. They even had us close our LSC spaces, like all of the SDPS offices right. were closed. So even like this process of uniting, we're actually closing spaces that w- that we help students get the energy to go back out there to try this uniting work. I don't know. It, it was just, I'm glad it went the way it went. I really wish Saws interrupted the out of Tony Frank's speech. I think because we did talk about how kind of closed down those spaces, the SDPS spaces. Um, and those are specifically for folks that have been marginalized and are marginalized folks. And I think the fact that it, we had a dedicated night for basically people, yeah, white people, basically white people saying like, I don't exist on this campus or I don't belong. And it's like, no, everywhere on this campus you belong and you exist. Like you just like putting your foot in a classroom, you immediately exist. Through the curriculum from the validation of professors, 
disorders through all sorts of stuff. Yeah. And you're not someone that we would, I guess, in some classrooms label as either different or a distraction, or you're not feeling any thoughts about feeling like you're the only person that has this, that this has this identity in the room. Well, um, I think what's interesting about that is that they are beginning to be labeled as distractions and people that stick out, right? Because of how much time and airtime they take when they speak, how much like spreading they do with their um, and how unintelligent a lot of their arguments are. I think that the feeling of being rejected on this campus is both unfounded or well, reject from cis hetero white men. That's I guess right. we should be a little bit yeah, more clear about that. Probably narrow that down. In there. Yeah. The complaints about conservative cis hetero white men and white people in general feeling like they can't speak on this campus is a is both dumb and valid. Because if it's the first time that you're experiencing genuine pushback for your beliefs, then I think it's an, a fairly reasonable reaction to then step into positions of power and assert your authority saying that we don't feel safe to speak as a way to sway the power on campus. Right. Okay, It's actually strategically viable and I would say a fairly normal reaction, but it, do, it still doesn't make it wrong or it still doesn't make it right. Yeah. And I think like, I guess me as a cis hetero white dude that I even went on <laughs> like a live radio show last Wednesday. And I, I feel like that was just because I was, I was there and I happened to someone happened to ask me right. to speak. And it was like, I think, well, it was honor and a privilege to be on that. And I had a great time. And I also thought about like, who would be here besides me that probably could do this better right, or do this different. And I think, I, mean, I think that's really almost sometimes sad that we can't have someone that wants to do this or can't get someone or we don't feel that we have can ask someone else to do this. And just, what do you mean? Meaning yes. like speak or have a platform. Like I feel like okay. it's just, if I were to scroll down my Facebook, I think every person that was speaking something that could be pictured as influential is usually a white cis hetero dude or someone I perceive to be that way. Um, which is changing. I think with having cis white women, which is good. But I think the fact that it's still white folks just, it just makes it where it's like, it's the only voice you hear. So then when you're silenced, you're like, what the f right. right? And so then, yeah, when you're going, kind of going back to your piece of well, what the hell, why can't you hear me? It's like, cause we have been, we're so annoyed <laughs> of hearing your <laughs> which I feel like is some, uh, some feedback that I've given, been given and that's totally valid and something to grow from, then you should definitely step back and be like, Hey, I want to listen to you. Yeah. And that's what this concept of internalized dominance is right. that you're so used to people who look like you and you yourself having free reign on whatever opinion or space that you want to have that the second that professors who have decades of experience over you, sir, and other students who have been sort of ingrained in ideology of acceptance at the, at the very least, I would think, yeah. start pushing back on this entitlement that you were given to everything, then the reaction, I think, is pretty juvenile because like there hasn't been time or space or support given to accept that kind of rejection. Right. right. So it's I am not a fan of infantilizing, infantilizing, Inf yeah, and infantilizing, infantilizing students. But some of the reactions of cis white hetero men on being pushed back around social justice, diversity and inclusion stuff in particular is a juvenile reaction because they haven't ever potentially faced that kind of critique before. Right. And I think about how it's like 
you can only, I guess, I don't want to say complain, uh, get defensive around this one thing that you're getting pushback from or feedback on. And I just think about the ways in which me as a white dude, as a white cis hetero dude, have I been giving pushback for people that have been marginalized or oppressed? And they just, they're just like, oh, well, okay. I, I know that you have power. So therefore either I'll listen to you or off. Mm -hmm. Um, and so then it's like the fact that those folks can take so much pushback and still do this work is one is amazing. And two, they shouldn't have experienced that in the first place. I think within my thoughts of being white and cis hetero, cis hetero and a dude, we should be, we should be getting more of the pushback and more critique and more feedback because we've caused so much harm that people have a hard time kind of getting to that sometimes. Yeah. And I think it's just this natural process for us to get defensive because we all want to be narcissistic and pretend we know everything when literally we know nothing. I don't know. I know some things. I don't know everything. And I think that coming to terms with that is as a white dude is, I want to say hard in the sense of the podcast hard. Right. Very, like very minimal hard. Easy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Cause like when cishetero white dudes say that I'm being silenced or I'm afraid of coming out quote unquote as conservative on a college campus, that is a a historical and a political argument, right? They're ignoring the weight of history behind that statement versus when marginalized groups say, I feel silence, it's never a political or a historical, right? It comes with the weight of legitimate legislation and policies and rules and brutal violence that has silenced people of color and women and queer and trans folks for ever, maybe, but at least in the United States for the last 300 years. And so I think that's the the concept that's difficult to navigate in a sense mm-hmm. because a lot of these cishetero white dudes believe that they're good people. And that might be true. Yeah. Right. To get them to feel the weight, the historical weight of their words. I think that's probably the biggest challenge for, for from my standpoint when having conversations with men who are probably good, don't cause like direct intentional harm through violence, maybe through their words, but definitely not through physical violence. Right. To say like, you're not doing enough you like talk too much or interrupt and that causes harm. I think it's difficult to convince that guy that that's the case. Um, and I think that's where the biggest challenge is for groups like SAWS in order to gain more people into the organization is to get over that particular barrier of just because you're a liberal cis hetero white guy doesn't necessarily make you not racist. Right. And so then I feel like there's that pushback of like, there's no resources for me. Bull. <laughs> you mean the entire state yeah. and campus? Yeah. Also, Men in the Movement is a decent community that can help you grow and learn. That's I'm not true. saying everyone should be part of the Men in the Movement, but I think it's a gro- growing space for those that really care. And if you really care, you then that's, that's good. Mm-hmm. And I think, and I've talked to people like, there's people that I'll talk to and they'll be like, this, they just don't care. And I'm like, well, if they don't care, then, then you you're kind of wasting care about that, yeah, yeah. You're wasting your time. For sure. And that's what's sad and hard, sad and disappointing about fraternities on this campus is that they disassociate so hard from each other and even like within their organizations when someone does something bad, right? Right. And then when we continually offer them, this is a resource, this is a resource, this is a way that you can do better, this is a way you can get engaged, they never show up. They never show up. And it's difficult to tell them, like, it's not just you. Like, when I say that to their faces, they're like, oh, but we're good. Like, I trust every guy standing behind me I'm like I get that like I understand that you think that I happen to have five years on this campus so people that were here on this campus 
are no longer like you don't know this generation, but you have to understand the weight of that generation's like shortcomings in this particular work. Like it's it's difficult, I think, to feel like you have responsibility for other people's actions within privileged and dominant identities. It's easy to feel responsible for other people's actions within subordinated identities because we felt the prejudice and the behaviors of other people of color projected onto us as people of color, right? Women have absolutely felt the behaviors of other women projected onto them as a way to shut them down. And so that's another piece, I think, in terms of the differences between the mentalities of internalized dominance versus internalized oppression is recognize, or it's really difficult to recognize how me as a man has impact on the way other men are perceived. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think, I think going off of that point of like, I guess within fraternities, I notice on campus that they'll do like events that look pretty like at first glance, nice. Like they yes. look like they're doing some decent work and they're like, like there's an org out there that eliminates the word retarded from their vocabulary. Right. And then I walked up to them and I was like, do you eliminate the words like, and they're like, no, we're just talking about the word retarded. And I was like, <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, what's any different? And I was like asking a bunch of questions, but I think, and then also you have another fraternity that was doing a sexual assault awareness month, handing out ribbons. Are in March. Want, yeah. <laughs> I was like, one, you got the date wrong and it's the in month. April. Yeah, I got the f- month wrong. You should have waited a couple days. No, you shouldn't actually. You, shouldn't you should never do there. that. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, you're so close. Uh, <laughs> but so, and you, so far. And you probably are someone that has perpetrated in this rape culture and have done harm. And so, and that, well, that's my assumption. That's probably not the best thing right, to We're assume, not labeling but, them rapists necessarily. Yeah. We're saying that their behavior has probably supported rapists in their organization. Yeah. And so, and so then you can just say, oh, that wasn't me. You're just distancing yourself from the problem. Yes. It's just really stupid. And that is absolutely part of the and problem. In no accountability. Culture. Yes. And that's, and I think that's why it has kind of have to do with that piece of uh, internalized dominance and internalized oppression that it's almost like, oh, I, oh, I'd never do that. But then it's like, I'm internalizing what I've been socialized to do or say or think yeah, and when, I'm enacting it. When we grow up with boys will be boys and like having a lot of free reign in terms of our behaviors, like having almost no consequences for acting up in class. Yeah are like literally a lifetime of kind of forgiveness, then obviously when they reach college that there's no skill in holding others accountable because they've never been held accountable themselves, right? So there's this tricky balance, particularly in our work as men, to recognize that some of these men just don't know, okay? There's a lot of ignorance and leeway that we as men who are working with other men for change have to recognize and understand, but that doesn't excuse the historical harm that they're doing and currently doing and it's just it's hard it's 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 a tricky balance i think of Mm -hmm. us like easily on these guys going back to your great quote of the article that we read a long time ago of how are we like that which we critique and this is a great example of how we are very much like what we are critiquing which is other men right but i think if we can give tools for men out there to start having those conversations with other men um whether that's on your campus or in your life in your in just in your life i think then we can kind of almost hold each other accountable in the ways of like i've been in my brother yep and i've definitely tried to repair that harm and he's been to me so i think there's these ways of like holding each other accountable as men and having these conversations about masculinities that i think is really important and we shouldn't stray away but if if no one's caring about the conversation then that's going to be a kind of a barrier right and one of the ways one of the tools one of the very first things that you can do and get over 
I don't know, if you're sitting there wondering, well, what do I do? Asking for help is absolutely one of the steps that you can right. do. And there are plenty of resources on this particular campus, at least, in which you can go and ask for how do I do this? Because there are people here who can help you go and do that. Right. And you have the internet. Google's a <laughs> great resource. Yeah. It's for some. I- for some. Yeah, you can get lost. But All right, man. I guess that was a pretty good one. Yeah. Do you want to close this out? That will do it for this episode of Do You Even Lift Pro? Men Exercising Social Justice. If you have feedback, thoughts, comments, questions, or want to be interviewed for a podcast, please email WGAC at colostate.edu. That's WGAC at C-O-L-O-S-T-A-T-E dot E-D-U. Huge shout out to the partnership between the Women and Gender Advocacy Center and KCSU here at Colorado State University. These are the folks that even allow us to do this podcast. For more content about masculinities, check out meninthemovement.blogspot.com. And for more information about the WGAC, go to WGAC kcsu.colostate.edu For more KCSU content, go to kcsufm.com Music production by Xavier Hadley, a.k.a. Zabley. Check him out at soundcloud.com slash Xavier Hadley. That's X-A-V-I-E-R-H-A-D-L-E-Y Thanks for listening, everyone. Deuces. Peace. We'll do it for this episode of Do You Even Lift, Bro? Men exercising so... <clears throat> I burped. <laughs>